Hello, all you bookworms, and welcome to Oh, for the Love of Books, a show that gives you a bit of narration from the books I read or ones you suggest for me to read on my show. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me on this journey. This is the next chapter in Lost Soul by Adam Wright, the first book in the Harbinger P.I. series. So let's recap what we know. Alec is a preternatural investigator. That means he deals with vampires, demons, fairies, werewolves, and a whole host of other creatures that most people don't believe in. Alec was moved from his office in Chicago to Deermont. He works for the Society of Shadows, who has sent him to a place that seems like there's no supernatural occurrences. He was given an assistant felicity from the head office in London to spy on him, courtesy of his father. Doesn't sound like a great relationship there. And Felicity has been in town for two weeks, setting up the office and advertising for clients. And they do have a client that they are meeting with already. Chapter 4 Felicity didn't speak to me as we hit Main Street. I said to her, The GPS is by your feet. I turned right and began driving north but I had no idea where I was going. She found the GPS, picked it up, unwound the tangled power wire, and plugged it into the cigarette lighter. After keying in her destination, she stuck the GPS to the windshield. It computed our route, and the female voice told me to turn around. I was going the wrong way. The street wasn't really busy, so I made a U-turn and headed in the other direction. Are you going to keep bringing up the reason I was sent here? She asked quietly, even though her voice was low. There was an angry edge to it. I'm sorry, I said. I didn't mean to bring my father into it. It's just that at the moment, I feel like I've been shafted by the society. I had a good business going in Chicago, and they shipped me here, away from all that. It makes me angry. Well, it isn't my fault, she said. Whatever you did in Paris must have been pretty bad for them to banish you from your old job, your old life. I looked at her and gave her a thin smile. They could have done much worse. I decided to tell her what was really playing on my mind regarding my enforced relocation. Look, here's the thing. When I was in Chicago... I did a lot of good and helped a lot of people. Now that I'm here in Deermont, I just don't think I'll be able to do that anymore. Not on the same scale, anyways. Felicity's anger seemed to soften slightly. Her voice was much gentler when she said, You must really miss Chicago. Yeah, I do. I have friends there, people I can rely on. I've trusted them with my life on many occasions, and they've never disappointed me. Here, I gestured through the window at Main Street. I don't know anyone. That will change in time, Alec. You just need to settle in your new environment. And I know we got off to a rocky start. But maybe someday, 
You'll trust me like you do your old friends. I shrugged. I wasn't going to commit to anything. We left Main Street and followed a road that took us south. We drove through a residential area where the houses looked like they might date back to the late 19th century, then took a narrow highway that cut through the dense wood that virtually encircled Deermont. That was when I noticed the car behind us. It was a dark green Ford Taurus that seemed unremarkable, except that I was sure it had been behind us when I was driving north along Main Street and then had followed us again after I'd turned south. It had always been a couple of cars behind us, hanging back as we'd made our way through town. Now it was directly behind us, because there was no other cars on the highway. We have company, I told Felicity. At first she frowned, not understanding what I meant. Then she turned in her seat and looked out the rear window. Are they following us? Maybe. I squinted at the rearview mirror. There seemed to be two men in the car, the driver and a passenger in the front. What are we going to do? Felicity whispered, as if the man in the car might hear her if she spoke at a normal level. I looked at the digital map on the GPS screen. There was a side road up ahead, on the left. If I took that road and the Taurus followed, that would confirm we were being tailed. It wouldn't explain why, though. As I was trying to think of a reason someone would want to follow us, the Taurus accelerated, looming larger in the Land Rover's rear window. Then it cut left and began to overtake us. I had a bad feeling about this. The Taurus came level with us and I glanced over at the driver. He was a thin man with short, cropped black hair and a goatee wearing a black sweater. His passenger was burlier, with a full beard and a black sweater to match the driver's. The driver shot me a grin that looked both amused and wicked at the same time. I noticed that his window was fully open. Staring with his right hand, he lifted his left to the open window. He was holding a gun. Its muzzle pointed at the front tire of the Land Rover. I hit the brakes hard. The tires squealed on the road as we skidded to a stop. Felicity screamed as she shot forward in her seat, but the seat belt prevented her from flying through the windshield. My own seat belt constricted across my chest, driving the air out of my lungs. Up ahead, the Taurus skidded into a U-turn so that it was facing us. The maneuver was executed perfectly. These guys were good. Hold on. I told Felicity as I floored the accelerator pedal. We lurched forward and I steered around the Taurus, which was still picking up speed after its sudden change of direction. In the rearview mirror, I saw the Taurus turn around again, white smoke belching from the tires as they sought purchase on the road. We were never going to be able to outrun it. My mind was racing. If we were going to get out of this alive, we needed to fight back. Take the wheel, I told Felicity. What? Take the wheel. I need to get in the back. She swallowed and nodded. Okay. I put the stick shift into neutral so that the Land Rover wouldn't stall and clambered into the back seat. Felicity slid over and took the wheel. 
slamming the vehicle into gear again and putting her foot on the gas. I thank the stars that she was English. She knew how to drive a stick shift. I glanced out of the rear window. The Taurus was close and gaining on us. I could see the grim look of determination in the dark eyes of the driver. Reaching under the seat, I found what I wanted. I pulled the long, cloth-wrapped bundle into the back seat and began to unwrap it, pulling at the silk ties that held the cloth in place. Felicity glanced back at me. What is that? I told you I had weapons in the car. The cloth fell aside and I grasped the hilt of the broadsword. As soon as it was in my hand, the rune-inscribed blade began to flicker with blue light. This was no ordinary flame. If touched a paper, it wouldn't set it alight. The light that pulsated around the sword was cold, brilliant, magical energy. The weapon was enhanced. Slow down, I told Felicity. She sounded worried. Are you sure? They're already right behind us. The blue glow from the sword illuminated her dark eyes. If you don't slow down, it's going to make what I'm about to do next even more dangerous than it already is. Okay, she said, slowing down. She pressed the brake gently. Our speed barely changed. Faster, I said. Faster? I thought you wanted me to slow down. She hit the gas again. No, I mean press the brake faster. Make us go slower. She nodded and slowed us again. This time, the deceleration threw me against the back of her seat. The Taurus came alongside us again. Hit the brakes hard, I shouted to Felicity. She did, and the Land Rover jetted to a halt. The Taurus shot past us. It skidded to a stop and began to turn to face us. I opened my door and threw myself out of the Land Rover. As soon as my boots hit the road, I sprinted towards the Taurus, sword in hand. Before the dark green car could accelerate again, I jumped up onto its hood and drove the sword through the metal to the engine beneath. The enhanced blade slid easily through the engine, disabling it. The Taurus admitted a metallic squeal and then died as if it were a monster that I'd stabbed through the heart. The bearded guy in the passenger seat had a shotgun. He leaned out of his window and took aim, trying to shoot me off the hood of the car. Before he pulled the trigger, I leapt up onto the roof of the Taurus out of his sight. The shotgun discharged, the sudden explosion of sound disturbing a flock of birds in a nearby tree and sending them scattering into the air. Don't shoot him, the guy with the goatee shouted at his partner. Yeah, don't shoot me, I said. It's very rude. I swung the sword over my head and down into the shotgun barrel. The magical blade sliced through the gun. The ruined barrel clattered to the road. The bearded guy cried out in surprise, but he acted fast, kicking the door open and staying low as he got out of the car in case I attacked him from above. I didn't want to kill him. I had to keep these guys alive so I could figure out who sent them. Although technically, I only had to keep one of them alive for that. I jumped down off the car and hit the back of bearded guy's knees with the flat part of the sword blade. He yelped and went down, rolling in the grass at the side of the road and clutching his legs. 
I stood over him and cast a glance back over my shoulder, looking for goatee guy. He wasn't in the Taurus anymore. The driver's door was open, the seat vacant. I saw him running towards the Land Rover. Only now, he looked very different from the man who had tried to shoot out my tires. Now he was huge, at least eight feet tall, with muscles so large that his physique would put any bodybuilder to shame. The black sweater he was wearing must be made of some type of stretchable fabric because it clung to his enlarged body, as did his black pants. Shit, I said. Ogres. As soon as the words were out of my mouth, a roar sounded from beneath me. Bearded Guy was now also in ogre form. He swatted me away with one huge hand and I flew through the air before coming back down to earth in the grass ten feet away from where I had been standing. Felicity, get out of here, I shouted. I didn't get a chance to look over at the Land Rover because Bearded Guy, now Bearded Ogre, was scrambling to his feet and getting ready to charge me with his huge, powerful body. He lowered his head and ran forward like a bull charging a matador. The sword was still in my hands. I waited until the ogre was too close to change his direction and sidestepped his charge. As he stumbled past me, I sliced the broad sword through the air toward his neck. This time I didn't use the flat of the blade. He never knew what hit him. The enchanted blade slipped through his muscles sinews, and bones as if they were soft butter. The ogre crashed to the ground in two pieces, his head detached from his body. I whirled around to face the Land Rover, and what I saw there made my heart sink. The ogre with the goatee had one massive hand wrapped around Felicity's neck and was holding her up as if she were a rag doll. Felicity struggled against his grip, her hands clawing at his, her legs kicking in midair. But she had no chance against an ogre. He held her at arm's length, so her kicks couldn't reach him. He laughed when he saw the concerned look on my face. That's right, little man. I have your woman. His voice was deep and gruff. If you want her to live... You and I are going to take a walk in the woods. He nodded at the weapon in my hand. Without the sword. I weighed my options and realized I didn't have any. The ogre was going to take me into the woods and squeeze the life out of me. Or he was going to kill Felicity. Maybe both. I want your guarantee that she won't get hurt, I said. He chuckled. I'm not interested in her, Harbinger. Only in you. Before we do this, I said, tell me who sent you to kill me. Who wants me dead so bad that they'd hire two fairy beings to do the job? That's none of your concern, investigator. I shrugged. If I'm about to die anyways, why not tell me who hired you? He shook his head. You've made enemies in high places, that's all I'll say. Now, you drop the sword, and I'll drop the woman. <laughs>
I placed the sword at my feet, the blue glow playing around the blade disappeared as soon as my hand left the hill. Put her down and let her drive away, I told the ogre. Then I'll go into the woods with you. He set Felicity on the ground. She tried to kick his legs, but he pushed her away, laughing. I'm giving you a chance to escape, he said. What's wrong with you, little woman? Felicity, I said. There's no point in trying to kick him. Nothing short of running him over with a car is going to phase this guy. The ogre chuckled. Run away, little girl. What is about to happen here is not for your eyes. Go, Felicity, I said. Get in the car and drive. She looked at me with tears in her eyes. Alec, I can't just leave you. There's no choice. Get in the car. She hesitated, but then nodded. Slowly, she walked to the Land Rover and got in. The ogre came forward, still laughing at the prospect of killing me. He didn't seem to be bothered that his partner was dead. Felicity gunned the Land Rover's engine. Time to die, little man, the ogre growled. For one of us, I said. The Land Rover shot forward, but instead of driving away, Felicity spun the steering wheel so that the vehicle came roaring over the grass towards the ogre. The creature didn't have a chance to react. By the time he knew Felicity was trying to run him down, the Land Rover was already crashing into him, the front grille smacking squarely into his chest, knocking him down. He rolled on the grass, trying to regain his feet. But by the time he managed to stand, the Land Rover hit him again, sending him sprawling into a thick pine tree. I grabbed the sword from the ground. Blue flames sparked to life along the blade as I walked over to the ogre. He was dazed and probably had a few broken bones. He looked up at me as I approached. He wasn't laughing now. Last chance, I said. Who sent you to kill me? You can't escape your fate, investigator, he said. When we do not return, when it is known that you are still alive, others will come for you. Why is someone so interested in killing me? Who is it? He laughed again but there was no mirth in it. I swung the blade and cut off his head. Even after he was dead, his laugh drifted in the air for a couple of seconds. Felicity opened the Land Rover's door, got out, dropped to her knees, and puked on the grass. You okay? I asked her gently. She got to her feet and nodded. I'll be fine. Do we need to bury those bodies? No, they're from the fairy realm, so they can't stay here for long. They'll disintegrate soon enough. I bent down and checked the ogre's pants pockets. I never knew an ogre to carry ID. But there might be something on his person that could tell me who sent him here. The black sweater rode up his belly slightly while I was searching and I saw something on his skin. A tattoo in black ink. I pulled the sweater further up his abdomen, revealing more tattoos. I stood back, feeling shocked. What is it? Felicity asked. 
Do you recognize those tattoos? I asked her. She bent to examine them, her squeamishness seemingly gone. Yeah, they're magical protection symbols. I unbuttoned my shirt and opened it, showing her the tattoos on my own body. Just like these. She looked from my tattoos to those of the ogre and nodded. Exactly the same. I know who hired them, I said. They were sent here by the society. Huh. I didn't know ogres could use a glamour. And why were they given those protection tattoos? Was it the society as a whole trying to eliminate Alec? Or just someone or a small group of someones who want him dead and why? Is Felicity going to be able to handle being an investigator when having to kill the supernatural beings? And I want to know what happened in Paris. What part does it play in all of this? All good questions. So let's find out what happens next week as the story unfolds. Well, that concludes my episode for today. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to me talk. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like my podcast, please subscribe to my show or send me an email to justvicvoice at outlook.com. That's J-E-S-S-V-I-C-V-O-I-C-E at outlook.com with suggestions of books for me to read on the show. Thank you again, and please join me next week on Oh, for the Love of Books. And as always, dream big and keep reading.